You're listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast reviewing our way through the three-body problem and discussing its real-life parallels. I'm Allie. I'm Brett. And on today's episode, what if everything you thought you knew about the nature of reality was a lie? We take a journey into the chapel perilous and question everything we think we know about physics. Stay tuned. Energy unit reporting. All systems go. Cutting unit reporting. All systems go. Amplifier unit reporting. All systems go. Interference monitor unit reporting. Within acceptable range. Begin transmission. Allie, how was your night in the cemetery last night? Oh my god. I saw Goodfellas. Okay, I was going to say, I heard you were at the cemetery. I didn't know if you were just sort of like frolicking around Marilyn Monroe's tomb. No, I was at Genus Bia. Okay. Um, which is, I popped my cherry with Genus Bia. I mean, I know it's Genus Bia, but I can't help but... It's more it, fun if you give the Italian the pronunciation. Italian pronunciation. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's an L.A. rite of passage, right? To go watch a movie in the Hollywood Forever Cemetery. With all the dead celebrities. With all the dead celebrities. And and I, it didn't dawn on me until the end of Goodfellas that like, oh, wow, Ray Liotta is dead. Mm-hmm. And here we are in a cemetery for actors. I gotta be honest. There's a lot of names, a lot of, a lot of, uh tombstones a lot of mausoleums in that cemetery that i don't think belong to actors in what way like you think they're just people who had enough money or yeah. you think that the producers headstones don't match who they say they are jews <laughs> shout out to my jews who fund hollywood um and their family members got it but yeah it was good it was good fellas what i really want to tell you about is that I'm on a dating binge right now. Okay, work. <laughs> we also have to acknowledge, Brett, Queen Lizzie. Okay, but do you feel like a prophet a little bit? I gotta admit, I kind of feel like my friend was a prophet because she was the one who first said it to me and it was a couple of days before we recorded. So that's why it was top of the brain. Got it. But yes. Because yeah, I mean, you were the one talking about new eras. I mean, you were talking about it in relation to like space travel but also, I was like, when Queen Elizabeth dies, like, it's going to be a, truly a new era. Do you feel like you killed the queen? Be honest. <sighs> yeah. It's crazy. It's like now all hail King. Who's it? Charles? Yeah, I guess. Is that his name? Mm-hmm. We Americans, we just don't know what the royal family is. I mean, I personally don't. I mean, I kind of do. You know, I know Kate. I mean, we don't, but there's that that genealogical history that, like, a really high percentage of every American president has been related to another American president. Right. So what are you saying? So in a way, like, they are kind of all part of the same family. You're saying, like, we have our own, like, kind of royal lineage? Yes, but no. Yeah. It took me a long time to figure out, I don't know, just, like, even the royal family. Like, oh, God, so Diana was married to charles diana what an icon i know such an icon and camilla fucking is she queen now queen i think regent or something queen right queen it's giving cersei vibes you know regardless totally yeah because it should be diana right oh my god that hurts yeah we yeah anyways this isn't a royal conspiracy podcast though no we have enough we have enough nonsense happening yeah um, but yeah, I'm on a dating binge. How's it going? Are you having fun? So I don't know if you've heard of the um, dating platform called Hinge. Hinge? They say it's the dating... Is that the one where you uploaded your vocal impersonation of... Jennifer Lopez? Yeah, Jennifer Lopez. Yeah, my best Before we go any further, everybody, Allie is so gifted at celebrity voice impersonations. I, I always tell Allie that like if everything else came to worse she could always do voice acting so here presented for you ali give us your best jennifer lopez okay you you want to hear jennifer lopez yeah let's get loud it is it's a classic all right um without any further ado this is my this is my jennifer lopez impression as as heard on my dating profile hello i'm jennifer lopez 
Okay, but anyway, back to Anyways, back, back to, your to my hinge. dating profile. So, you know, I'm swiping. I swipe right on this guy named Jonathan. Jonathan with an yes, O? with an O, which, believe it or not... Already, that's a red flag. Believe it or not, is the exact spelling of my ex-boyfriend's name. Oh. Jonathan. Oh. Because his parents didn't know how to spell Jonathan either. Or they wanted him to be different, or... No, they didn't know. They genuinely oh. didn't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> they thought I was spelled that way. I mean, I guess, how is any name technically spelled? There's no objective spelling. Right, it's just sounds. Yes, exactly. But yeah. there's just standard spelling. Sure. Anyway, I, I don't know what was on this guy's profile, but apparently it was good enough that I swiped right. Okay. And I totally forgot about it, you know, moved on. Never really, like, never matched with the guy. Okay. So I don't match with this person. Then I see, I'm swiping on Hinge, and I see the same guy, Jonathan, and I see his profile, and all of his prompts have changed. And now they say, you know, I recently discovered that... Allie from New York, who's in L.A., matched me, and I accidentally rejected it. And I was like, So Wait. it's like the hinge equivalent of, like, taking out a billboard. Yes, like like a missed connection. Oh. And then the next thing on his profile said, I'm convinced that I will match with her again. And then my most irrational fear. Pressing the wrong buttons. And I was just like, okay, what? So obviously, I had to match with him. And I was like, I respond. I was like, oh my god, lol. I think it's me, <laughs> you know. That's amazing. I know. So, anyways, he's Australian. The only thing is, like, he's been in LA for like I think under a month. So actually, you need to get him to do Jennifer Lopez. You're so right. I, well, he he's heard my impression because it's on my profile. Right. So I do need to get him to do it because he probably does a killer, a killer. Jennifer Lopez impression. And we'll play that next week. Oh, my God, yeah. Okay, well, so we're going on a date tonight. Oh, sick. Five o'clock, maybe six o'clock. We're just going to do a quick stroll because I've learned my lesson, Brett. I've learned my lesson about going out of my way on a date because I had top five worst dates. (laughs) This is a different guy. This is a second date. Our first date, we went mini golfing, and I was like, okay. At your house? (laughs) essentially yeah you know there's there was a part of me that literally was like i would rather die than you know reject a man tell a man i don't want to be here do this Mm. like 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 full-on be like i want to leave before even seeing you know like Mm. i just it's that people pleasing part of me that that is what needs to die and it's gonna go against the fiber of my being it's not like i have never done it before like i have yeah you know i have left dates after a certain point and been like, yeah, I'm done. I'm just going to run to the restroom and you like call yeah. your car. Exactly. You you know the story. <laughs> but, oh, right. Because that actually happened. Yeah. I was just saying that as like, a, like an example. I forgot uh, that actually happened. I actually did that. That's and so that's, boss. That's another story for another time. A great one as well. But it's just hard to be very direct and be like, hey, actually, I don't, I'm not feeling this. I'm going to leave. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like an act of aggression to stand up for yourself. But it's scary because, you know, we have, I have internalized eons of violence against women that makes you feel like actually you don't know that it's safe to say things like that. You don't know that it's safe to like reject a man and, and yeah, you I can't mean, trust that they're going to know it's not personal. Yeah, that's fully on patriarchy. Yeah. Say it's a good first date. Like I want to go on the second date like a month later because I'm so afraid of getting to know someone. But lately I've been very leaning in in to like that discomfort and being mm-hmm. like Allie just go on the second date next week you know what I yeah. mean get to know them so that you know like you're not spending you're not wasting time yeah because like at the end of the day the worst thing that happens is you wind up with a new friend who's cool right yeah or I wind up just being like oh, not a match and I'm not interested in this person I don't ever see them again and I know for sure that that's the case yeah it's like kind of like not self-serving in any way to like put any kind of pressure on yourself totally says someone who hasn't been on a date in 10 years 10 actual years (laughs) when i met brett i was like that is the kind of man that i want to be with (laughs) Gay. 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 yeah so on today's episode we're in this new current time storyline that we were 
just beginning with last week. It's 40 years after the events of the Cultural Revolution, 40 years after Ye Wenji took the job up at Radar Peak. Wang Miao was at that really clandestine meeting with right. NATO and CIA. And... and they were like, we want you to infiltrate the frontiers of science. And he's jumped into an Uber Black. That's right. And he says, he's headed to meet Dr. Dane. Take me to Ding Yi's house. And the driver's like, well, okay, I see no problem with that. <laughs> so how does, how, I mean, how does that go? What, like, what do they talk about? So I'm going to tell you, Brett. So chapter five. A game of pool. Wang Miao gets to Ding Yi's apartment. And it's a three-bedroom. I guess Ding Yi, who we know was Yang Dong's boyfriend. Like, he had this idea that maybe they'd have a family one day. Okay. You know, they have this three-bedroom apartment. And it's not very furnished. Uh, actually, there's hardly any decor, which, in my opinion, major red flag in the dating world. But that also feels fitting of a scientist. <laughs> yes, totally. Very, like, practical. Like, they live in the lab. They just sleep at the apartment. And to your point, like, you know, what their preferred, like, their their number one furniture piece is as these scientists. A computer? No. Oh. A pool table in the corner. Huh. Yeah. Because Dingy and Yang Dong really liked playing pool. It reminded them of the particle accelerator, if you think oh, about it, right? Oh, I see that. Okay. Like smashing particles yeah. together, hitting a ball into another ball. Yeah. Wang Miao is talking to Ding Yi, and, and they're talking about Yang Dong. And Wang Miao, you know, he wishes he even ever got to hear her voice. Like, he actually never heard Yang Dong's voice. And it's kind of awkward to be, like, in the apartment with, like, the grieving boyfriend of this woman who you secretly had this infatuation with. I mean, yeah, like we said, he is like simping for her. Yeah. And meanwhile, her grieving boyfriend, uh, Dr. Ding, Ding Yi, is talking about her. And he basically says that like her personality was essentially had the warmth of fluorescent lighting. Oh. <laughs> he was like, wow. She had a light so bright, but like, so cold oh yeah i was like oh my god if fluorescent lighting were a personality mm. but like i can understand like how men like to romanticize that in women of like she's so cold and aloof yeah i guess it's like i don't know what happened in your childhood and who your mother was but big issues <laughs> big issues I, I i i see you recreating trauma there three syllables therapy <laughs> but dingy's like you know wang you're right you're right. Like, you're right not to get involved with the police and the military. They're honestly all idiots. And they don't listen. Because the suicides of all those physicists and scientists had nothing to do with the frontiers of science. And I try to tell them this, and they don't get it. Yang Dong never had any contact with the frontiers of science. So her suicide had nothing to do with it. Okay. That's what Ding Yi has to say. And Wang's like, oh, cr So then why was she on the list? Exactly, right? That's, well, that, that is Wang's question. So why do you think, why do you think she did what she did, right? Yeah. If it wasn't something to do with the frontiers of science. Dingy's like, if you know more, you'll only end up going down the rabbit hole. And basically, like, the less you know, the better. I don't like that. Yeah, right? Your whole, he's like, your whole spirit will get pulled down somewhere that you don't want to be no so just go and live your life and work on your fucking nanomaterials and don't worry about it literal like ignorance is bliss yeah kind of thing okay it's, and mm. wing me i was like ding can i call you ding listen i'm an applied researcher not a snowflake theoretician okay like yeah. i'm not working with these theories i'm an applied researcher i've got my feet firmly planted on the ground i've got my Big science mind tethered to reality, unlike those frontiers of science theor theoretical physicists. Right. Don't worry about me. Yeah. I'm not going to kill myself. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like, I work with reality, and they work with imagination, like, you know, theory. So he's, he's cocky. And this really reminds me of Chapel Perilous, which I think I'll get into a little later. Okay. Because I want to keep going with what happens here. Okay, yeah, because I, 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 when we get there, I want to ask you something about that. Okay. So, yeah, he's like, I'm tethered to reality, bro. Don't worry. 
and uh, I was thinking of Mae West in the Snatch Game, and <laughs> when Thingy's like, oh yeah, you think you're tethered to reality, huh? Why don't you come up here and f*** me in the ass sometime? <laughs> How about a little game of pool, huh? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you think you're so tethered to reality? How about a game of pool? So, Brett, you did such an amazing job of describing a high-speed particle accelerator oh last God, week. Oh my God, thank you so much. It actually changed my life, my understanding of everything that's about to happen. Because now you chapter. can kind of like, yeah. in your mind, like see it. Yes. Yeah. So if you didn't listen to last week's episode, what the hell are you doing? But just to remind you... In case you forgot, because it's possible you forgot. Brett described what a high speed... Ugh, I keep forgetting I'm wearing eyeliner and I'm rubbing my eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> I chose eyeliner today, you guys. I chose violence. It looks really nice. Thank you. Right. And if you forgot what the particle accelerator does, it's smashing two particles together in this like dark tunnel, like the smallest quantity of matter, right? Like individual and, particles. Exactly. And... and using high energy electricity to smash them in together like two billiards balls oh i've never thought about it like that like on on that scale like as billiard balls yes so ding yi takes the black black ball the eight ball the eight ball and he puts it right in front of a magic eight ball or just like from the table just from the table okay no Signs point to yes. Yes, exactly. Points to just a regular pool table ball. Okay. And he puts it right in front of the corner pocket. And he places the white ball. What is it called? The The cue ball. The cue ball. Mere inches away from the black ball. And he's like, Wang, you think you can sink that? Like, what? He's basically like, what do you think will happen when you hit that black ball with the white ball? He's like, oh knock it in the pocket obviously it's only yeah. a couple inches away he's like all right do it so he lines up and he knocks the white ball the white ball hits the black ball and the black ball sinks into the pocket okay nothing nothing crazy there ding is like great come let's now move the pool table to a different part of the room okay and wang Miao's like okay so they pick up the fucking pool table and they literally move it to the other side of the room Sets up the same thing. Puts the black ball right in front of the pocket, the white ball right in front of the black ball, and Wang Miao knocks it in once again. No problem. They pick up that heavy table and move it two more times, setting up the same scenario. And I'm having this thought in, in my head, which I think Wang is having as well, which is like, um, is this going to change anything? Like, Yeah, like... Is something crazy about to happen? Yeah, it's like if you're running an experiment, are you just checking to see like if the floor is uneven? Right. I was like, what, what are they gonna? What are they gonna get to one part of the room that suddenly like drops them into Wonderland and like there's a Cheshire Cat? But then it's like actually that would never happen in a Chinese sci-fi. Oh right, yeah. right. So I was it's like, very escapist. Not gonna happen. They move it two more times till finally it's right back in the position where it started, and Wang sinks the ball no problem every time. At this point, they're out of breath. Ding is like. All right, now let's analyze the results. We ran five identical experiments differing only in physical space and time. Same experiment, five times, different locations, different moments in time. Okay. And what did we get? The same result. The same result. He throws his hands in the air. He's like, we got the same result every time. Isn't that amazing? I mean, aren't you shocked? Five colliding experiments yielded the exact same results we are geniuses we're better than hawking we're better than einstein those fucking theoretical physicists we are applied researchers like look at us but i'm thinking like and maybe this is gonna come up but i'm like you should expect those because like the laws of physics are constant (laughs) right well and like gravity's not changing they're just moving the table around and ding asks for this exact explanation from wang uh-huh. ding is like please using the language of physics you know explain to me this incredible result and you, do you want to give it a stab i don't know how i'll do on the language of physics but i mean i would say if they're in the same room probably like the air resistance hasn't changed relatively the motion of the cue ball is always the same because it's i'm assuming it's always the same Is it Wang or is it Dr. Ding who actually hits the... It's Wang, right? Mm -hmm. Who hits the cue ball. So I'm assuming it's like relatively the same amount of force each time. Right. They're setting the the two variables, the cue ball and the eight ball, up in the same places every time. So I would say the point that the table is moving doesn't actually matter because that's not a variable that... The location of the table doesn't play because it's on Earth. 
Right. It's not like gravity is going to be stronger in California than it is in Colorado. Totally. And I mean, and to that's exactly that's basically. what I would say. Yeah. And, and that's to, to condense it down to basically what Wang says, which is exactly that says, you know, all right, between each experiment, the mass of the balls remain the same. Oh, right. The, I forgot the mass. The tabletop upon which they, you know, were sitting remained the same, even though it was at different points in the room. Uh, the velocity at which I hit the balls, basically the same. And therefore, you know, the transfer of momentum didn't change. And that's why in all five experiments, the results were that the black ball was driven into the pocket. So, wait, am I a physicist now? You're a physicist. Work. You're an applied researcher, actually. Okay, I mean, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Ding is like, cheers, might Like, let's drink. We just discovered the great principle of nature. The laws of physics are consistent across space and time. You're right? Like, the laws of physics, they were consistent yeah. across space and time. Yeah. She pours two shots of whiskey, knock them back. Wang is like, all right, ding. What are you getting at here? You know, I still don't see what you're getting at. And I didn't yet either. Ding is like, okay, imagine each time we ran that experiment, something different happened. And not just something different. I mean, one time the ball flies to the ceiling. And the next time the ball bounces away and out the window. And then the next time you did it, one flies away at nearly the speed of light, breaking the edge of the pool table, shooting through the wall, and leaving the fucking stratosphere. Okay. I mean, what would you think then? Like, what are you smoking? Yeah, right? And like, can I have like, some? Wing is like, I take it. Something like this has actually happened. Like, what are you getting at? Ding is like, yeah, bitch, it happened. Ooh. You know, we constructed three expensive pool tables. That is particle accelerators. Oh. He's like, there's one in North America. There's one in Europe. And as you know, there's the third one in Liangxiang. And these high energy particle accelerators shot particles you know pool balls essentially but tiny tiny pool balls at each other you know the smallest bits of matter possible at a speed never before achieved by humans and guess what happened different results every single fucking time whoa no pattern none whether shot over and over again with the same exact variables no pattern emerged the particle could split into a million pieces. It could turn into light. It could bounce into space. It could shoot through the walls. Like, it, it defied any and all expectation. And you could never, like, achieve the same result twice. I mean, galaxy brain. Right? I get the chills. But then also frustrating as somebody running an experiment. Yeah. Because all you're looking for is like reproducibility. Right. You're trying to you're trying to prove that like X, Y, or Z is true. Right. And all you're finding is actually I can't prove anything because I cannot yield the same result twice. Insane. So what does this mean? I, as a reader, am like, damn. Yeah. If I was Yang Dong and I was a physicist who knew one thing to be true, which was that, you know, the laws of physics are consistent across space and time. Yeah. And then I built this particle accelerator which was able to shoot tiny bits of matter at each other, right? Only to find that actually when you shrink the size of the pool table down small enough to what we call the quantum level, uh -huh. there are no laws. And the rule, the laws of physics don't uh, are not consistent uh. across space and time. They're literally not consistent. So like it's like on this level that we're living, this like macro level where you and I are interacting and we know that like if I drop this roll of tape on the floor, it's going to hit the floor and stop there. Right. Is only a product of it being at this size. And it's just like, okay, I wait, don't like what? That. So does that even mean it's... So like what's real? What's real? Does that mean like what does that mean, right? Like... I don't like can that. Can I trust anything to be consistent? I don't like that. Why do things seem so consistent, Right crazy that's stressful and so if you get to the quantum size basically you can use your will to influence the expression of matter i mean i want this is this is sort of a tangent that i was thinking about with with regard to like and i kind of touched upon this last week joe dispenza yeah i was gonna ask I, I realized you mentioned joe dispenza but i'm not i'm not familiar who is that so oh my god joe dispenza is a he he is a I'm not sure 
I think he started out as like as a chiropractor, but basically Joe okay. Dispenza was this guy who, or he is this guy who, and he had like a degree, I think in neuroscience as well. Okay. He was biking and got hit by a truck and was hospitalized and he had like nine spinal fractures essentially. And, and they were like, you'll never walk again. And he had all this time in the hospital just sitting there and he was like, you know, I wonder, can I somehow use the power of the mind to affect the body? Okay. And he ends up fully healing his entire spine and, you know, can walk perfectly fine. But basically he did it by experimenting with using the laws of, you know, or using what we know about the quantum level okay. to direct energy to express itself differently at, in in the material form right like when you when you go to the quantum level and you can like influence the quantum level with you know your your desires your beliefs your emotions then when it manifests on the macro level it will look like whatever you know what i mean it will be related to what it was on the quantum so level. you don't mean literally like him becoming ant-man shrinking down into the quantum realm but like he sets his mind on an intention relatively speaking and then with applied attention to his intention eventually he achieves an outcome that he set out to right That's because wild. his belief is basically that emotions are magnetic and thoughts are electric right and together oh. our thoughts and emotions create this electromagnetic field right which every human has yes and right we're constantly i mean we know that to be true like yeah. and you know like and i even think about like emotions are magnetic because if, if it's like a wavelength your emotions are these wavelengths yeah. you know when you're like feeling empathy you're like literally resonating with the wavelength that that person's emotions are at you know it's like acoustic basically yeah wild and your thoughts are like electric and, and they have their own like uh elect you know electric signature and and or like, you know, we've seen the like, you know, mapping of the inside of the brain and how it looks like, you know, the universe, like stars. And we know that synapses are firing and, and that's electricity. And so and but that's all happening on the quantum level. Right. So if you're constantly having the same thoughts and and those thoughts are bringing about the same emotions and those emotions are like, you know, I'm poor, I'm worthless, I have nothing important to say, then your macro, your physical manifestation, your physical material experience that seems unchangeable is going to reflect what's happening on the quantum. Wow. So something that that just made me think of, I didn't realize how, because I forget like who told it to me, but I, I never realized how closely because I didn't know about it until now. But I'll always talk about how important it is of how how you speak to yourself because i i just always say it as simplistically as like be careful the words you say because your cells can hear you and that's why that's why that's exactly it and then this is like the science behind affirmations like you may not believe you know you're beautiful but if you start saying it just start by saying it if you just say i am beautiful yeah you know first you're gonna kind of work through all of these thoughts that are like, no, I'm not. I'm right. not actually beautiful. I don't believe that, right? Like that's the first phase of, of saying affirmations. But one day you'll say it and you'll your body will feel it. Your body will be like, yeah, I am. And you'll be like, whoa, I actually kind of feel beautiful today. And you'll look in the mirror and be like, I am beautiful. And suddenly you are beautiful. Yeah, like <laughs> you living know? a new truth. Yeah, living a new truth. And, wow. and your whole experience of that fact is different that feels like magic but then also like what is magic but something that science doesn't have words for yet oh totally and it very much i mean it's so uh compatible with like so many philosophies on magic yeah. and and um kabbalah like the big time the, the flow of energy yes yeah exactly the tree of life and how like everything starts out you know before it material like the final kingdom all the way down to the kingdom which is you baby exactly like it has to materialize through so many levels yeah. of creation um but yeah we are these like beings like we're, we're not we're not entirely victims of our physical reality like the idea is we can you know close our eyes and tune in to our quantum selves and we can influence the expression of matter so i mean yeah i was like hearing this in the book and i was i mean it wasn't saying this explicitly but the, the implication 
that that's where joe dispenza comes in yeah he he goes off of like the fact that on a quantum level there are no laws and that like the physical laws that we see restricting our reality are are really actually inconsistent across space and time like yeah yeah anyways wang is like you know i don't know yeah i work in nanotech which is small but it's not that small like nanotech is really small but it's not quantum small right that level of like where where particle can like smaller than protons yes small yeah where particle can act as matter or as energy yeah wing is like what is this i still don't understand what this all means you know i i work in nanotech which is small but you know it's not that small so what are you trying to say and dingy is like i think you can figure it out i mean even general chang was able to figure it out and he's a smart man he's like it means that the laws of physics that could be applied anywhere in the universe don't exist and physics also does not exist mm. which explains the first half of uh yang dong's suicide note oh right right where she was like what did she say something like physics doesn't exist and will never exist exactly. or something like that why right so yeah, i can kind of understand now it's like you spend your whole life like operating off of these laws being true and then you build this machine only to find out actually none of it is true I guess if you if you start realizing that laws that we've said for forever are true and constant aren't, then you it's easy to be like, what's the point? Nothing matters. Exactly. I may as well. I mean, yeah, I may as well come on. I mean, this was like kind of like when the pandemic happened. It was like, whoa, like yeah. if, especially during lockdown. Like yeah. When people literally weren't going. I mean, there was a period where I didn't leave my house for close to six months. It's like if I can't do my job, if I can't work, like what is the point? Right. Like if I can't contribute, if we can't connect, like. It's really an existential crisis. Yeah, because at that point, what is existing? Right, we really... I mean, yeah. I remember having a big, big existential sob. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sure most people did at some point. Yeah, like, everything that I've been working for actually... I mean, it's the same with war, you know? Like, when a war breaks out. Like, everything that you thought you were going to pursue and care about suddenly vanishes. And, and yeah. it, it's very scary. And so Yang Dong has that experience of, like, what's the point? Um, and, and this idea of, like, yeah, having a, you have to have an almost religious faith to accomplish anything. It's like, you have to keep on working in theoretical physics with the hope that you will find some sort of consistent rule or truth or result or epiphany. Like, like, cause it can feel like you're working for nothing. Yeah. Like a true religious practice. Like, yeah, just for the sake of itself, if nothing else, which yes. And this reminded me so much of Chapel Perilous. So where have you heard of the term Chapel Perilous? I have, but I only know of it in terms of the the piece of literature from, it was like the 1400s, mm-hmm. I think, called Le Mort d'Arthur, mm-hmm. like the death of Arthur. Mm-hmm. So are, I mean, are we talking about medieval literature? No, we're not, actually. Okay. But it does appear in there, and I actually didn't even realize that. But where I know Chapel Perilous from is from this book, And if there's any book that I really, really want us to cover that isn't related at all. The Bible? No, it's not the Bible. I'm just kidding. (laughs) The Bible is an interesting psychological story. Wicked? Not wicked. Okay. What's the book? The book is called Cosmic Trigger. You've told me about this book before. It's such a good book for us to discuss on this podcast. Okay. But basically, Robert Anton Wilson, who was a writer and philosopher, wrote this book in 1977. And Chapel Perilous refers to a psychological state in which a person is uncertain whether some course of events was affected by a supernatural force or was the product of their own imagination. Okay. So if like you're working, practically if you're working in theoretical f- physics, right, and you're like finding some result that seems like too good to be true, uh-huh. you are kind of going through chapel perilous. Okay. Where you're like, is this right, or did I, or am I seeing things? Basically, which will be relevant in our next chapter. But basically, some people experience chapel perilous as communicating with aliens and and being like unsure, like, am I actually talking to aliens when I'm like meditating, oh, got or it. Okay. Is this my is this my brain tricking me? Got it. Okay. Or conspiracy theories, right? Like, is this like the more you look into a conspiracy theory, the more it seems to be true, and you're like, is this true, or am I raving mad? Yeah, like, am I just self confirming my own bias? 
Exactly. Yeah, got it. Okay. Like, where the thing, like, basically, the narratives that you believe become very real in your day-to-day life, and you're not sure whether it's you or whether it's objective. Got it. As one walks through this door to Chapel Perilous, they are confronted with the fact that their reality is not reality, but based on their social conditioning. You know, their subconscious program, their perceptions, their experiences, and their beliefs. Which makes sense. Right? Like, we're all kind of, you know, experiencing this macro reality one way. But, you know, when you're working on the quantum level, you're essentially walking into Chapel Perilous, where you're realizing everything I think is actually based on social conditioning and, like, these beliefs. And the few who can pass through the chapel and out the other side forever know that reality is malleable and much of it can be altered or exposed from the hidden depths of the dark sea, which made me think of the dark forest. But I don't know what that is. I just know that it's a term in the Three Body Problem trilogy. Yeah. Okay. And I'm just going to read you a quote from Robert Anton Wilson's book, Cosmic Trigger. This okay. is my favorite description of Chapel Perilous. Lay it on me. Actually, before I read this quote, I'm also just going to say, to enter Chapel Perilous is a task that one should not take lightly because insanity may follow. Oh. Yeah. Because once you cross the threshold, there's no turning back. Anyone who's like seeking truth must experience this trek through possible insanity essentially to find true enlightenment and like it's the state where the veil of reality melts away and a person confronts the bizarre aspects of existence that are hidden from just like your ordinary life that's that's existential yeah right and the people who traverse into chapel perilous unprepared have only one fate they say which is to go completely mad so here is an excerpt from cosmic trigger yeah lay it on me chapel perilous like the mysterious entity called i it cannot be located in the space-time continuum it is weightless odorless tasteless and undetectable by ordinary instruments Indeed, like the ego, it is even possible to deny that it is there. And yet, even more like the ego, once you are inside it, there doesn't seem to be any way to ever get out again. Until you suddenly discover that it has been brought into existence by thought and does not exist outside of thought. Everything you fear is waiting with slavering jaws in Chapel Perilous. But if you are armed with the wand of intuition, the cup of sympathy, the sword of reason, and the pentacle of valor, you will find the medicine of metals, the elixir of life, the philosopher's stone, true wisdom, and perfect happiness. Dude, what am I? Thoughts. That's freaky. Right? And they say the madman and the mystic swim in the same waters. I could see that. And I think it was Ramdas or... Be here now, Ramdas? Yeah, I believe it was Ramdas who had a brother who was like committed to an an asylum, an institution. Apparently he was like found basically in like a gymnasium, stark naked with like like 15, 80-year-old women nude worshipping him and like like lording fully just having a moment yeah lording him believing he's jesus christ and and i believe ram Dass goes and visits his brother in in the asylum and his brother is like i don't get it man like you're out there basically telling everyone you're jesus christ but i'm in here for doing the same goddamn thing yeah and ram Dass is like ah but the difference is that i think everyone is jesus christ mm-hmm. and you think only you are jesus mm-hmm. christ but just that like you know as you get into both science or spirituality i mean it's crazy how the two kind of intersect when you get to that quantum level well yeah i mean we talked about the the dan brown novel angels and demons and that's sort of like the point in in that story too is that like science and religion are not separate things they're both describing the same phenomena just it's the language that's different 
Yes. And like there there actually should be a place for the two to come together because they can offer perspectives that like they both have their blind spots. Like they can both offer perspectives to further describe the same thing that they're, you know, like both talking about. Right. And in fact, and when we, we were talking about like the limits of science, right? It's like at a certain point, like that is the limit of science is like when you get to that quantum level, as Dingy is saying, like, yeah, you hit a wall. You have to and you you just literally have to go off of faith because you no longer have theorems to guide you anymore. And you just are like freaking in the dark, hoping that you will find something that feels true. But you might never you might never be able to prove it using the scientific method. And therefore, like, yeah, religion or spirituality or faith genuinely comes to a head and almost transmutes itself into science that's fascinating right so at this whole time i'm reading this chapter i'm like yeah they're talking about chapel perilous and i always think of you know when i was just kind of getting into the occult and reading about that like there were so many synchronicities all around me Mm. i mean like insane things you know like i was getting my iud taken out and literally as the you know uh planned parenthood doctor is pulling out my iud she is doing it and there's like the radio playing and do you know what song is playing no you make me feel like a natural woman and it was so crazy i was like i literally started laughing i was like no fucking way you're like this couldn't have been like paid for to be better planned straight up in the exact moment that it's coming out and and before i had even gotten that iud out i had like asked that i was experimenting with tarot and the I Ching and and but the i like had done a tarot on like an oracle basically on my iud because it was i had had it for years and then it was just like really painful i was gonna say like they obviously have a have purpose but like they they're not like without certain side effects totally and yeah. they're yeah there's no like long-term research on it and and there's all sorts of yeah there's there's a lot of controversy especially around the copper iud that i had right yeah it's like oh it's not toxic like don't worry you can handle a small amount of copper in your body it's like what did we just talk about i mean we thought ddt was non-toxic for exactly. how many years exactly it's like my body isn't is a delicate ecosystem yeah just like the environment yeah so you're gonna introduce a t- trace amount of copper to render me infertile like i know it's like for a good reason but like i asked the tarot and the tarot was like ruin it was the ruin card and i was like i'm getting it out beep boop boop hello can i make an appointment exactly wow um anyways so at that time i was totally in chapel perilous where i was like is this me or is this you know is this a god is this a, a, a spirit guide is this a higher self? Is this an alien? And and then there's also the the idea of like, okay, and this is my sort of belief, or like if I were to take a scientific approach to like who God is, or mm-hmm. at least who my like guardian angel is, is that, okay, if time doesn't actually exist, right? And we're just like limited in our perception of time, then right now there's also a reality where I have fully achieved enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. And that I therefore have all of the like associated powers with having reached nirvana or enlightenment, right? They're like in Buddhism, they're called cities, Mm -hmm. S-I-D-D-H-I. And it's like, you know, being able to levitate and to read minds and, you know, all of these just like... uh, Like mastery over the elements. Exactly. They're basically side effects. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're not the goal. They're side effects of reaching the goal of enlightenment. You know, that's why these gurus like Ram Dass talked about how his guru like literally would know what he was thinking all of the time and say it out loud. So if there is a reality that is concurrently existing where I've already reached enlightenment and can traverse across like universes, then that very well could be the God or higher self or guardian angel that I am communicating with on the quantum level when I'm like asking like the tarot or whoever, you know, what will be the outcome of this? Yeah. You know, that's my scientific approach to spirituality. I'd love to think about that. Right? God is me, is we, is us. Exactly. God in us, as us. It's like you don't have to have faith in fairies 
if you want to believe it, in, if you want to believe strictly in science, don't worry. Science is backing it up. Yeah. You know, science backs up the existence of, you know, but again, that's Chapel Perilous and being like, what is this? And I feel like I eventually did get out of Chapel Perilous. And I do feel like I found the Philosopher's Stone, to be honest. And maybe it's one of those things that like as you're sort of like constantly learning, always evolving, always growing, maybe Chapel Perilous is like a location that you return to. Right. Because it's not like, you know, because even I feel like even if you think you've reached enlightenment, maybe that would sort of like bring with it the tendency to sort of like have this wall built around your consciousness. So it's even if it feels like you've reached enlightenment, I feel like you're always still searching. So the day may come where you realize, you know, have another galaxy brain moment and have to just like walk back into the chapel and be like, does this hold up? Yes. Well, totally. And Eckhart Tolle, he says also it's like enlightenment only exists in the now. So it's like you're constantly exiting enlightenment and re-entering. Now is all there is anyway. Right. Yes. And so like freedom, nirvana exists by being in the present moment. That's fascinating. Right. So yeah, you're always going back into Chapel Perilous. You're 100% right. And it's humbling to go back into Chapel Perilous. Yeah, I'll say. What's true? What's not true? Am I crazy? But also empowering, I feel like. Absolutely. And important. Like, because like you said, you don't want to be in this like walled space where you're like, I have reached enlightenment. Like, that's how you know you've gone mad. Right. And naked in a gym with worshipers sitting around you. Exactly. And Robert Anton Wilson in Cosmic Trigger also talks about, he's like, basically when you get out of Chapel Perilous, when you go through this process of like investigating the true nature of reality, you're either going to come out a raving madman or an agnostic. And I'm always so fascinated by the term agnostic. Mm-hmm. right because also i mean it comes from gnosticism like right? the gnostics the gnostics yeah. which we could do a whole fucking episode oh, on. yeah but i guess the idea is that how would you put it the non-subscription to a major world religion deity such as like not believing in the legitimacy of say jesus christ or buddha or any other majorly recognized god but sort of also not denying the existence of something much bigger and outside of oneself that is able to exert influence control creation over everything that we know right it's basically like choosing to believe in no single thing yeah so that makes sense to me right like you come out and you're like like, the opposite to me of atheism mm -hmm. for some reason i always like sometimes i just feel like the word agnostic is abstract and i like forget what it means like i know because i always think of the way it's honestly put on like dating profiles like on hinge and shit how like people are like i'm agnostic and atheist so anyway you come out of chapel perilous and you're either stark mad you think you've reached enlightenment and no one can ever touch you again you're basically jesus christ or you're like i don't know what's true sure and that's the ultimate truth and that's the wisest place you can be yeah but why did yang dong kill herself i mean what about that other half of the note which was i know this is irresponsible yeah but i have no choice that my friends we are not going to understand in this chapter. Oh. I don't even know if we're going to understand it in this book, to be honest. But I think we will. I mean, my, my hunch tells me we will. Well, also, I mean, even if we don't understand what it means, I feel like that's, again, speaking to Louis Hussein's sort of like how grounded and real and blurry this story feels at times. Because, I mean, a lot of times with suicide notes, you don't necessarily understand the headspace oh, or yeah. the final things that somebody's thinking and i you know i feel like that's part of part of the heartbreak you're so right there's something really when someone kills themselves or when someone dies you know or like unexpectedly and there's no i mean let's just stick with suicide when someone kills themselves you want there to be a note and you want that note to explain things because then there's some closure but in reality more often than not i think it just leaves more mystery well, because I think in general, humans have a really difficult time seeing that as the right choice. And also just more broadly dealing with anything that in any way sort of like falls under the category that I would call chaos, sort of like things that either don't make sense or right. no matter how many reasons for they still don't make sense or, you know, like things that just sort of like surprise us, come out of left field. Right. That sort of like leave us feeling powerless. I mm-hmm. feel like in general, humans don't really vibe with that well you're so right so like the hope is that the letter is gonna like restore order which like it won't because the person won't be here but yeah yeah wow totally but i do hope we find out as to what she meant 
by yeah because that's the right that's always the lingering questions like you may have the suicide note but you don't have the author's intention and meaning behind those words gone too soon yang dong and queen elizabeth on the notes of goodbyes, Ding Yi and Wang Miao are saying goodbye to each other. They've exchanged this fruitful discussion. And Ding says, hey, by the way, if you have time, go see Yang Dong's mother. She was her whole life and the old woman's all alone. It might be nice. Wang's like, all right, I will. But Ding, you really think that the laws of physics aren't consistent across space and time? That we could actually defy physics? And Ding is like, I don't know, buddy. But that is the question. And it kind of ends in this cheesy thing where he thinks of, you know, to be or not to be. That is the question. I was going to say, it feels very Shakespearean. Yeah. To be or not to be. Like, the theories presented... And the possibilities are presented. Like, they're not radical. They're not fantastical. Like, so far, again, all of this could be true. I am just, like, waiting for the moment where, Brett, like, you and I maybe go, all right, and this is where it becomes fiction. Right. You know? But so far, we haven't reached that point, And no. I'm not even sure if we will. But I genuinely don't know. So I'm excited to find out. Yeah. I like the not knowing. Right? Of just, like, will this stay true? Yeah. Feeling. But, yeah, so that's chapter five. A game of pool. Tune in next week. We'll be doing chapter six. Oh, the title. You're not ready for this next chapter. I'm pumped. You thought we've experienced anxiety and high stress and sort of like a, a level of like, what the fuck up until now? No, mama. Take your blood thinners, take your zannies because you're not going to be okay. Wear your compression socks. Like, it's going to be a ride next week. The chapter we're going to dive into next week is called The Shooter and the Farmer. Whoa. That's all I'm going to tell you. And thinking about what we know about Mao Zedong, though, remember how, like, political power is born through the barrel of a gun? Yes. And how, like, his father's farm was raided when he was a kid. But we're not going backwards in time. Oh, we're, no, we're, we're not. still in this present for a while. I'm really pumped yeah. because you're going to tell me all about it. Until then, blasting off. This episode dealt with subject matter about suicide, and we realized that that might be difficult for some of our listeners to sit through. If you or someone you know is experiencing a crisis or considering suicide, please call or text 988 from anywhere in the U.S. 24-7. You're not alone, and help is just a call or a text away. You've been listening to Radar Peak, a three-body podcast. Subscribe and download on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for exclusive content we might not have time for, subscribe to our Patreon. One last thing before you go. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave a review and tell your friends about us. Join in on the conversation when you follow us on Twitter at RadarPeakPod. See you there.